and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast with me, Johnny McFarlane. As ever, I'm joined by the veritable Rangers guru that is Mr. Scott McDermott of the Sunday Mail. I'm Johnny McFarlane and I'll be guiding you through today's news. We're going to look at the, the uh, news that was broken by Scott in the Sunday Mail regarding Rangers' 32,000 season tickets sold to date. We're going to cast our eye over the Rangers' goalkeeping situation and have a look at the players that have been linked with coming in. And finally, we're going to continue our series of looking at Rangers players of the past as we refer back to the Rangers career of Mark Walters. Scott, let's start with your big story from Sunday uh, on the back page of the Sunday Mail that Rangers had uh, sold 32,000 season tickets for Ibrox for next season in the middle of a pandemic and at the same time had achieved over 15,000 memberships to the MyGers scheme, making that the biggest of its kind in Scotland. Now, on a normal in a normal situation, these are incredible figures. They are more than they were at this stage this time last year. But given that a lot of fans are going to be stuck watching these games on their laptop or their smart TV or their Xbox or their phone, it makes it even more impressive, doesn't it? Well, it's incredible, Johnny. Those numbers, um, I mean, when I first heard the, those figures, I was taken aback, I must admit, um, as you say, I mean, at this stage in a normal season, um, you no know, Rangers would be quite happy with that. You no, know, those figures would be quite impressive. But given the the current circumstances, and also, let's be honest, given the fact, you no know, Rangers under Stephen Gerrard haven't won a trophy yet in, in two seasons. Do you know what I mean? So um, you put all of that together, and as I say, for this stage of the of the pre-season, if you can call it that, to get 32,000 season tickets for Ibrox sold already, when, as you say, no punters won't even be allowed into the ground for the start of the, the start of the campaign, as well as the the membership scheme, which they've obviously launched, no, not knowing how, uh, how popular, uh, how appealing that was going to be to, to fans um, who no, probably already bought a season ticket and everything else. To get sixteen thousand members, you no, know, to get you no know, more money going into the club at this uh, particular time when when finances are so tight and times are tough, it's uh, Rangers must be you know the board and the people behind the scenes must be absolutely delighted with those with those figures. Yeah, well, I mean, twenty five pound membership for my years, uh, and with those numbers, you're looking at over four hundred thousand pounds. Yeah, that's effectively been conjured out of thin air, so that's yeah a pretty good start. But then when you start doing the numbers on the thirty two thousand season tickets, uh, it's difficult to do it accurately because obviously the the, the ticket prices vary quite wild, yeah. wildly depending on where you're sitting. But it's millions and millions of pounds coming at the club, and also. The club doesn't have the expenses that it would normally have for these tickets. No. So normally, when you ad- aggregate your tickets out over the course of a game, it'll work out at something like twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four pounds or whatever. And Rangers will take that money, but they also have to pay for policing, for security, yeah. for stewarding, for match officials, all that sort of stuff. Now that none of that's coming in, so that makes that season ticket money even more important to the yeah. business. Yeah, uh, and that, that's why these numbers are just so incredible. And it looks like, from what Rangers are saying, uh, because after your story went out, they of course confirmed it, 
and then they said the numbers had gone up again. Yeah. It looks like they're going to sell out. I mean, that would just be utterly incredible, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think I think the club will even be surprised at those numbers, Johnny. I think at this stage, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, if you no, know, if that if that figure for season ticket was sitting at around. 20, 22,000 Rangers would have said, you know what, that's that's pretty decent given given where we are, given you no know, at this stage of the uh, of of the summer. But to get thirty two thousand and as you say, that seems to be rising all the time. Um, you no, know, the thought of selling it out when you no know, as as we've said, punters won't be able to get into these games, certainly at the start of the season. Um it just shows you, you no, know, I think that I don't think the kind of loyalty of the, the Rangers fans has ever been in has ever been in question. Though when they went down to the third division, the lower leagues, you know, you you looked at the numbers they were getting there for attendances. Um, <coughs> but I think, as I say, you no, know, in these kind of unique circumstances, uh, to get those numbers, it just shows you, you no, know, as well as the loyalty, it just shows you. I think the belief, you no, know, the belief that the, that the fans have. And the current regime and the current manager, but also just the absolute desperation for you no know, the craving for, for success on the on the pitch. Certainly off the pitch, Rangers seem to be getting it right, you know, with a lot of different things and you no know, the players and I know Steven Gerrard, they, they must be you no know, absolutely desperate to, to finally uh, repay the supporters with some with some success and, and trophies on the park. It's not the only element to celebrate in terms of the, the financial aspects of the club this week. Um, James Bisgrove was announced uh, that Rangers are going to have a back of shirt sponsor as well as a fund yep. with the Energy Check partnership. That's now, right. This is another one of those uh, deals that, that kind of is conjured up out of nothing because it's not something they had in the past. So this is another example of the club just getting their ducks in a row, getting things organised and, and running as they should, as an elite club should, yeah, which exactly. seems to be the, the, the direction of travel from the youth set up and the academy to the first team, to the commercial department. It seems like everything's coming together. And I suppose, Scott, there's no better time than in that of a crisis nationally where, where there's very, very difficult times. If you're going to get it together it would be now yeah. that would be the right time. No, they're finally, and it seems to have been a long time coming, Johnny, but there is, there seems to be a lot of joined up thinking now that, that runs right throughout the the club. Um, and you're right, I mean, this uh, pandemic will have, no, it's a blow, obviously, to everybody, but probably given, I think we touched on it right at the start, it's, we talked about Stephen Gerrard getting that getting a break and being able to assess things and and, and sort a lot of stuff out. I think probably you no know, behind the scenes, <clears throat> people have been able to take a breath and as you say get ducks in a row and actually you know properly sort the sort the club out in terms of how it was being being run day to day. And I think James Bisgrove's been a massive part of that. I mean it's it's early days and he's kind of tenure in in that role at the club, but. Um, from what he's done so far, he looks to be a pretty impressive individual. He's clearly got, no, you, you can tell by his CV <clears throat> that he's very highly thought of and there's you no know, terrific contacts in that kind of commercial world. And certainly, I mean, you were saying about the the back of the shirt sponsor, I mean, that came out, came out of the blue a bit and we've taken a lot of people by surprise. But as you rightly say, it's just yet another 
way of getting money into the club uh, when it's when it's much needed, obviously. Um, and I think you're right. I think behind the scenes now, well, you have to say that, that everything is ticking along um, quite nicely for Rangers. Of course, there's still areas they can improve on. You mentioned the academy. We've spoke before about how how that can improve, and there has to be a bigger return um, from the academy in terms of young players getting into the first team. But they're trying to do that. No, they're trying to put things in place to ensure that that happens uh, in the next few years. But certainly commercially and financially, it's no, it looks pretty good for them. And the fans are obviously playing their part as well with these with these season ticket sales. And what it means, Scott, when you get these things right, is that you have the ability to go out into that transfer market and secure the players that will potentially help Steven Gerrard stop this Celtic title charge. Yeah. Now, one of these players that we've discussed in detail, anyone who's been listening to the pod will know, I've been banging on about him for quite some time. Uh, Lyndon Dykes, uh, a player at Livingston who has had an excellent season last term. Now, it seems to be a rumour that won't go away, Scott, and probably that's propelled by the fact Dykes is doing things like posting pictures on his Instagram <laughs> of his hair being dyed blue, which yeah. uh, gets, puts the cat amongst the pigeons, as it were. Is that one you think that's serious, though? Do you think there is a real sustainable interest here and Rangers would look to come in and snap this boy up? Or do you think this is one that they're they're looking at as, well, maybe if we don't get target A and B, he might come into play as C? I, th- I think that might be it, Johnny. Uh, uh, listen, th- there has to be an interest there because if there's not an interest, no... Rangers aren't doing their jobs and we've just been praising you know, the work that's going on behind the scenes. Obviously, Ross Wilson's a, a huge part of that. There is no doubt Rangers will have watched Lyndon Dykes like many other clubs. Um, he'll be on their radar. They'll be aware of everything that he's, he's capable of in terms of his attributes and what he might bring to Rangers. But if you speak to anyone at Livy, you know, there's been no approach from Rangers. There's certainly been no, no bid. Um no, several clubs have watched this player over the last um, 6 to 12 months. Uh, I wrote a piece um, a couple of weeks ago saying Cardiff were, were heavily interested. That's due to the fact that they, they have watched them on several occasions. Um, and listen, you, when you watch Lyndon Dykes play, you have to say, you know, for that English Championship, he would appear absolutely ideal in terms of his style and his physicality when you, when you look at uh, what's required in that league. So, listen, Rangers will have an interest there. It's, but I think you're right. I think it will be a case of assessing all their options. I don't think he'll be their first choice. I think they'll have one or two ahead of him. But it'll depend on what happens there, whether they can get whether they can get those guys in. What happens with Alfredo Morelos' future? No, that still appears to no, that could still be up in the air depending the, on whether bids come in or not so I don't doubt he'll be on a list Stephen Gerrard will be aware of him Ross Wilson will be aware of him we, we've said before that Rangers probably do need that type of striker no, not an out and out target man but somebody who's physical um, who can change the dynamic of a game uh, when required if you want to play a different different way, um, I think they'll be looking at guys like that. Um, so I don't, I mean, I don't think that transfer is imminent, but it'll certainly be one that they've they've looked at, and and they'll they'll weigh up when they see see what's happening with other other targets. 
Well, Scott, the big news today is that John McLaughlin has signed a two-year deal with Rangers. He has uh, signed after leaving Sunderland on a free transfer. Uh, Stephen Gerrard said, John is a vastly experienced professional who adds strength and depth to our squad. He's here to compete for the number one shot and will add some much-needed competition for places. He was involved in playoffs for Sunderland and will thrive on the pressurised environment at Ibrox. His experience in the SPFL will stand him in good stead as he continues to fight for his place in the Scotland squad. Um, McLaughlin himself said he's very proud to arrive here at Rangers. Um, it's a great to be back up in Scotland and we are very proud to have made the deal happen and I'm really looking forward to now getting to football and starting the next chapter with an amazing football club Scott, your immediate reaction, he, this is a player that we saw playing for Hearts under uh, Robbie Nielsen and has obviously experienced at the lower levels of English football and the SPFL do you, do you see this as a signing that can challenge, as Stephen Gerrard expects, Alan McGregor? Well, I mean, that's what Stephen Gerrard will expect. Johnny, I'm a bit surprised, I must admit. Um, you know, we've obviously spoke about Haladke as being the, the obvious target for Rangers. And I think in terms of quality, um, Haladke is a better goalkeeper than John McLaughlin would have put more pressure on Alan McGregor. What you can't, uh, what you can say about McLaughlin is that he's got the experience over Haladke, and that's clearly what, uh, what Stephen Gerrard's been been looking for. Um, someone who's kind of been there and done it. As you say, he's been in all the lower leagues in England. He's played in big games, obviously with Sunderland last season. He knows the the SPFL from his time at Hearts. Um, it's no, it won't have cost Rangers a lot of money. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing in terms of getting them in the getting them in the door. So it ticks a lot of boxes. It'll be interesting to see if he's the only goalkeeper that that comes in. Because um, as I say, I think they would have. I, I'd no be really surprised if they weren't or they hadn't shown an interest in in Haladke. But no, they've they've plumped for for John McLaughlin. They obviously think he can bring a lot to the to the role in terms of being McGregor's backup and putting pressure on him. Um, but yeah, that 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 moves took me slightly by surprise. I must admit. Well, yes, it's it's just come as we are um, recording the podcast. Literally just flashed up on my phone as we were speaking. So um, it's uh, actually breaking news for us in terms of. Um, assessing what this means for Rangers Scott. But, I mean, he's got two caps for Scotland. And while he has uh, sort of darted around the lower leagues, starting out with Harrogate, moving to Bradford, Burton Albion, before he ended up at Hearts, perhaps that two-year spell at Sunderland, who have spent the last couple of years, has been documented in the Netflix documentary, Someone Till I Die, um, challenging for a league will mean that McLaughlin has got that mentality of a player who is playing in a side that is uh, dominating games more often than not. And and that might be a big part of this. I think more than that, Johnny, you need to have a certain uh, mentality to play at Sunderland um, because there's real pressure there. That's a massive football club, no matter what you think of the... Uh, kind of recent demise going down the going down the leagues. There's big expectancy uh, from the fans. There's big pressure, you no know, big crowds, and by all accounts, uh, John McLaughlin's done well for them. You no, know, he was getting into those Scotland squads off the back of 
performances for Sunderland. Um, he's been to Wembley, I, th- I think, I'm saying three times during, uh, during Jack Ross's spell at the club. Um, and listen, Jack Ross is a is a really good manager who I rate highly, and he obviously had a lot of a lot of faith in him. Uh, I'd go as far as I wouldn't be surprised if Stephen Gerrard has spoke spoken to people like Jack Ross about him. Um, so listen, Rangers will have done their homework. They know what they what they were wanting and bringing in a backup keeper. Um, and McLaughlin obviously ticks ticks a few boxes. The, the biggest one I think being experience, and you know, getting into this season. Which is you no know, so massive for Rangers in terms of what's at stake. If anything was happen was to happen to Alan McGregor, you know, they need somebody who's capable of going in there and handling the, the pressure. And you know, the Rangers manager clearly thinks that, that McLaughlin can do that. Before we move off transfers, one of the things that we talk about quite a lot is Rangers attacking areas and, and where yeah. they need to strengthen and why they need to strengthen. And I was doing a little piece for the website earlier on in the week, Scott, looking at the players that they had already there and what Gerard could do in terms of moving around the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. And there was a few guys in there who almost have been forgotten about that I wanted to just bring up and, and maybe have a wee chat about and think about where they can fit in next season. So these four names, and the names are Glenn Middleton, Brandon Barker, Jake Hasty, and Jordan Jones. I'm going to start you off with Jake Hasty, Scott. Do you think this is a case of a young guy who's come into the wrong movie and it just hasn't worked out? He came in, he was included in uh, some of the early training games for last season, uh, the friendlies, and then very quickly he seemed to be shipped out on a, on a loan to Rotherham. Yeah. Now, that started to look like it was going to be an inspired move because he was explosive in his first three games, scored three goals, yeah. but slowly faded away. And, 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 Scott, maybe it's me, and perhaps I'm wrong. I just get the impression with Steven Gerrard that he's not going to be one for excuses when these loan moves don't work out. No. I, I don't think he's going to be too impressed with these loan moves not working out. I think he's expecting guys to go down to the English leagues and do what uh, Greg Doherty did. Yeah. Uh, really smash it and come back and put pressure on him. Now, yeah. if you go down to Rotherham and you can't get a game, that's not really putting pressure on anyone. So, so where's his future? He's 22 now. He needs to be playing every week. Um, to me, his future for this season, John, it has to be on loan to another Scottish Premiership club. Um, I mean, I thought when Rangers signed Jake Hasty, it was a mistake not allowing him to stay at Motherwell on loan um, because he'd come into the, he'd broke into that team, had done really well along with David Turnbull. Um, he'd kind of made that right wing uh, slot his own at Motherwell. Motherwell haven't really replaced him, to be honest. I've tried a couple of guys uh, and they'll probably try more again this season. But he was superb when he came in uh, to the Motherwell side for a short spell and obviously he gets the move to Rangers. I think at that time, you know, Rangers should have just let him stay in loan at Motherwell and continue his development there. I think for the for the four hundred grand, uh, I think it was four hundred grand Rangers paid for him. You know, for a boy that age with that potential, it was a you no, know, it looked like a like a good signing for the future, but. He needed to stay out and loan, and they obviously put him down to Rotherham. Like you say, a lot of guys just seem to get down there and, and disappear pretty quickly. Um, big squads in the Championship, League One in England, um, no moving away from home, uh, different league, different style. 
and I listen, you're right, Greg Doherty went to Shrewsbury and literally couldn't have done any more. I mean, was the player of the season, scored big goals, played every week, a key player. That that's what Stephen Gerrard's looking for. Greg Doherty came back to, to Rangers and you know, was able to say, Well, well you've sent me out and I've did exactly what you asked me to do. Other guys haven't done it. Uh, Hasty was one of them. You mentioned Glenn Middleton. He's another one um, who went to Hibs, albeit in difficult circumstances. Hibs were in a kind of uh, difficult position in the league. The, the manager changed over um, and he wasn't able to nail, nail down a place. Um, but going back to Hasty. For me, the the move for him this season should be another Scottish Premiership club. I'd like to see him going to a St Mirren or a Motherwell or a St Johnson or someone like that. And when he goes there, he really has to go and go and hit it off um, and and impress people. And because it's it's in Scotland, people will see him every week. Rangers can keep a closer eye on him. Um, I think that would be that would be the most beneficial move for him at this moment. Well, you mentioned Middleton there, so let's pop on to him. Yeah. Scott, I was so impressed when he burst onto the team. Um, you, you remember the, the game against Spartak Moscow in Russia, yeah. and his electric pace was apparent. He scored a goal. I thought he was he was really excellent that night. And there was a period when Steven Gerrard first came in where he, he wasn't the first name on the team sheet or even a, a first pick in the position, but he was there or thereabouts. Yeah. He was coming on as a sub. And you thought to yourself, well, this kid at 19, the amount of time he's getting in this Rangers team now, he's going to be a real player by the time he's 21, 22, but he's just faded away. And as you say, these two loan spells, first to Hibs, then to Bradford City, haven't yielded the outcome that you'd have expected for a guy of his talent. But then you look at his performances when he was playing in the the Graham Murty under-23 team, and he looked almost a bit too good for that level. So he's in between the two stools. So is it a case a bit like Hasty that he needs a loan spell where a manager comes in and says, look, this guy's my man. He's going to play 50 games a season. Let me have him. And he's going to play all the time. And and that's kind of what he needs. Yeah, that is what he needs. But I mean, it's up to Glenn Middleton now, John. I mean, you're right. I mean, that, that Spartak Moscow game should have been a, a big turning point for Glenn Middleton in terms of his... Rangers career because if you're if you're able and capable enough to get into a game like that on that stage and perform the way he did, you no, know, clearly you've got something. You no, know, you you can do it, but he didn't do it consistently enough after that, and he did fade. You now whether that's well, I don't know the kid well enough. Maybe it was a bit of complacency. Maybe he thought you no, know, once he was in there, that's him. You no, know, he'd done it. And maybe uh, you no, know, maybe he wasn't quite at it after that. I'm not sure. Um, in terms of him generally as a player, I mean, when he first came into the Rangers team, he was coming off the bench a lot and having a real impact. And he was using his pace, just electric pace, just to get to the byline. He wasn't doing anything complicated. He was just knocking it past a fullback, getting to the byline and whipping crosses in. And the fans really, really took to it. Um, and he did really well. When he started games, it was more difficult for him. And I think that's where he's got to improve. Because when you're starting the game... No, you need to be involved in the game from the off. And that's no just, especially in this Rangers team, it's no just hugging the touchline and when you get it, uh, knocking the ball past your man and, get, and getting across. And I mean, that when you come on for the last 10 minutes and you know, the team's chasing a game or chasing a goal, 
you can do that, but you need to be more involved. I think you have to learn to be able to come inside and play, uh, come in field a lot more and play. I don't think he's he's shown enough of that side his game to impress Gerard. But it's up it's up to him now. I mean, it's pretty certain. Let's be honest, they'll be looking to get him out on loan again. Um, interestingly, before he went to Hibs. I remember Stephen Gerrard actually telling us at a press conference that day that they agreed a deal for him to go to Holland and play. And that would have been interesting um, for him to go abroad. But then Hibs came in, I think the player himself obviously wanted to stay in Scotland and, and looked at that as a good move, but it didn't work out. So his next loan move is going to be crucial. If he can get a manager like you say who has total faith in him and is going to play him, no, 50 games a season, brilliant. But he's got to earn that. I mean, you, you can't just... There are no guarantees getting out and loan uh, as the likes of Hasty and that have, that have found. So the next move for Middleton is crucial. But I, I think it's up to the boy. He's clearly got talent. Um, he's shown it in flashes for Rangers. But he's got to add real consistency to his game now if he's got any no, any hope of a, no, a big future at Rangers as a, as a first-team player. Yeah, I feel a bit sorry for Rangers about that that move to Hibs and Hibs in a way because if you look at the makeup of that Hibs side, you've got Scott Allen in the number ten, you had Camberry up front, you had Boyle on one side. Yeah. You know, Middleton should have been on the left flank, and in that position, you've got Scott Allen feeding you in behind the fences. You've got Camberry yeah. to hit. You've got the pace of Boyle running off you. I mean, it should have been manna from heaven really for, it should for have Glenn been. Middleton. And it so have I think been. Stephen Gerrard would have looked at that and thought. Actually, in Scotland, Heckenbottom says he wants to play the right way. Uh, but I think Heckenbottom was one of these managers. Um, he talked the talk, but his teams didn't really replicate yeah. that talk on the pitch. You know, a lot of people have a lot to say about John Hughes and his talk about total football and all that. But actually, John Hughes' teams played terrific football. So yep. for all that stuff that he talked in pressers, and people got a bit fed up with it, but th- the truth is, he actually produced. Um, whereas yeah. Heckenbottom was one of these guys... He talks about how he wants to play the game the right way, but you didn't really see any evidence of that. And with those four players, Hibs should have been a really dynamic attacking force. So I think it's a little bit unfortunate, but then he went down to Bradford after that. And, well, I mean, he just didn't really make any kind of an impact whatsoever. So I agree with you. So it's going to be a huge season for him. Let's talk about the two more experienced guys in there. First of all, Brandon Barker, Scott. He seems to be a guy that is rated by the coaching team. I remember being slightly taken aback uh, reading one of, I think it might have been one of Michael Beale's blogs where he, he specifically mentioned Brandon Barker being one of the most talented young players in Scotland. Or it might have been in a podcast appearance, I can't remember. Yeah. But he was talking uh, talking about him being, uh, sorry, not Scotland, when he was at Man, Man City. Man City, He talked yeah. about how he was really, really highly thought of and one of the starlets. And he played for all uh, the youth setups for England, so under 17s, yeah, yeah. under 18s, and all the rest of it. Um, now, in terms of what we've seen from him, Quite often, he's been used uh, as, a, as an impact sub who hasn't really had an impact. No. So it comes down to those two Porto <laughs> games where he started. That's, that's, a problem. that's a problem when you're an impact sub <laughs> with no impact. <laughs> it's difficult. But in those two Porto games, he did show that he had a bit of tactical discipline about his play because he clearly was brought into those games because he's a good ball carrier. He's got pace. So if Rangers were springing on the counter-attack, you had an outlet. Now, yeah. 
it didn't really work in terms of Brandon Barkas and attacking force in those games. Ryan Kent was a much more effective... Uh, actually, I'm not even sure if Kent played those games. Anyway, there was other attacking players that, that were more effective in the games. What is it that hasn't seen Brandon Barker spark so far? Or do you think this is just an experiment and it's not worked? Listen, it just hasn't been at it, Johnny. I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, we can... No, beat a bit of bush or we want to talk about tactics. No, the, the two Porto games, it was a surprise inclusion in both. Now, I don't doubt Steven Gerrard and Michael Beale and others would talk us through tactically why he was selected and talk us through the job he did uh, during the game. And listen, Rangers get good, no, great results against Porto. So whatever they did, it worked. But, but in terms of Brandon Barker on the ball, uh, no, as a creative last third player for Rangers, even in those games, it didn't happen for him. Um, and I've watched him, you know, just about every time he's been in the pitch for Rangers, whether he started or come on. And I've just, I just don't see it. Um, he actually looks like, you no, know, he's lost a yard or two of the kind of blistering pace that he, that he had at Hubs. I mean, I remember watching him at Hibs uh, and some of the games away from home that, that Neil Lennon had when he was in charge of Hibs, you know, going away to Celtic Park and stuff. And you know, Barker was a real threat just because of that that pace on the counter-attack. It looks to me like that's not there anymore. So he's going to need to change his game, um, you know, become more of a technical player. Like I'm saying with Middleton uh, coming in off the, the flank the way the way Ryan Kent does, you no, know, he's really comfortable coming in off the off the side and, and playing. You no, know, Barker has to somehow try and show a bit more of that if he's going to if he's going to play a bigger a bigger role. But listen, I, you're right. At Man City, this boy was Academy Player of the Year. Gavin Berry did a piece in the Sunday Mail a few weeks ago with Neil Redfern, um, who'd taken him from Man City on loan. And you no, know, he raved about him certainly, but he'd seen of him at, at Man City as a as a youngster. So there was talent there. He's obviously gone off track uh, in terms of his career. He's got a brilliant move getting to Rangers, but I don't think he's really he's really grasped uh, grasped his chance yet. And I don't think he'll have too many too many more opportunities. I mean, we're going into this season. We've spoken enough about no how vital this season is in terms of what's at stake. Rangers cannot afford to carry any any passengers this year. And I would say Brandon Barker and his spell at the club so far has looked like a passenger. And I don't think uh, he'll get many more many more chances. If he does get an opportunity at the start of this season, he's going to need to take it big style. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, J- Jordan Jones is the last name on the list, Scott. Um, obviously came in, started reasonably well, performed very respectably in the Europa League, especially away from home. Yeah. Again, another player of blistering pace, but not really a guy who's who's got a trick, as it were. Um, but he slowly but surely edged his way out, and then he was brought on in the Rangers against Celtic game at Ibrox, where he made a ridiculous challenge, was sent yeah. off. Stephen Gerrard said after the game, you know, he's going to have to go something to get it back into this team. And it was clear that he was absolutely livid with the yeah. way that he'd gone in for that tackle. And uh, sure enough, true to his words, Jordan Jones just struggled uh, once he recovered from that self-inflicted injury. Do you 
like me, see him as a player that Rangers would be keen to to move on, especially when he's someone that English Championship clubs might want to snap up as a bargain buy. Yeah, I, I think I think they probably will move him on if they get a decent uh, decent bid for him, Johnny. I mean, there was a lot of talk last season about Stoke being interested, obviously with Michael O'Neill in charge there. Uh, Michael O'Neill likes him uh, for the Northern Ireland setup, but he's actually done he's done well for them in certain games. Uh, no, Northern Ireland have got some big results away from home. Jordan Jones has played his part. I mean, I, I think his Rangers, his, the start to his Rangers career was actually going okay until that Celtic game. I mean, he hadn't played every week. He uh, wasn't brilliant every week when he came on. But, I mean, he showed enough. Um, I mean, he came on in one of the European games. can't remember what one. Put in a brilliant cross for Morelos to, to score a, a vital goal in Europe. I think it was away to Mitchelland where he started. Rangers played in the counter-attack and he was a real threat uh, the whole night. Again, played his part in some goals. Um, I think he started started the game against Hibs where Rangers, Rangers ran riot. You know, Jermaine Defoe got a few goals. So, I mean, he was doing okay for a guy coming in to a new club. You know, a big jump going for Kilmarnock into Rangers. Um, but that Celtic game was a, a big turning point because you're right, I think Steven Gerrard felt really let down uh, by his attitude, you know, the way he acted obviously when he got on the when he got on the pitch and getting the red card. And obviously he did himself a serious uh, a serious injury at the time that took him you know, a long time to get to get back from and obviously he came back and the Rangers team looked a bit different by the by the time he came back and he couldn't quite uh, couldn't quite get back in. So no, if they get a decent bid, of course they'll look at it because, as it stands at the moment, he's a he's a fringe player at, at Rangers. But if they don't get a bid, no, I wouldn't rule it, rule out Jordan Jones being part of Steven Gerrard's squad, even if it's only um, even if it's only a bit part role in it. Um, if they don't get bids, I can see him as long as he obviously impresses and pre-season and the, the early games uh, I wouldn't rule them out uh, in terms of you know, playing a small part Okay, now we're going to move on to a new segment in the show that we started last week where we talked about uh, Rangers legend Michael Moles uh, I selected Michael and this week I've handed over Scott. Scott, who is your selection? I've chosen Mark Walters Johnny um, No, well I just think no thinking back to when I was growing up um, you know, the the Rangers team of the kind of you know, late 80s, early 90s um, and Mark Walters I just remember you know, as a young boy I was when he signed for Rangers and he first started playing I was just mesmerised with the guy's, the guy's ability um, you know, he was renowned for this for the double shuffle as we know it now and obviously you, know, you see I don't know about a double shuffle. I mean, your Ronaldo's and your Messi's are doing triple, quadruple shuffles at a time now. But I just remember that being different uh, when Mark Walters came in. And in terms of bargains, I mean, I think I'm right in saying you might be correct. I mean, I think Rangers signed Mark Walters for about you no know, 750 grand at that time. Well, um, Scott, I, I, my my figures are 500,000 pounds. But I mean, right. that's from Wikipedia. So. Right. You that know, I didn't well look at it. <laughs> but to to get a guy like that, you no, know, for what he gave Rangers in return, um, I mean, what a buy that was in terms of you know big goals, 
uh, big moments, um, and just the way he got punters off their off their seats at Ibrooks, um, you know, remembered really fondly by uh, by fans of a certain a certain age. Um, I just think it's such an impact. It was so different. I mean, technically outstanding. I remember the the brilliant piece of skill. I'm sure you'll have seen it when they. Uh, when he took a ball out of sky at Tinka, so from a like a goal kick in the one movement, he had uh, no, he taken away past the past the fullback. I mean, it was unbelievable. You know, have a look at it in, in YouTube or whatever. But um, no, I think for the money they paid, it was a brilliant signing by by Graham Souness at the time. He was crucial to the success that they had at that time. You think the big moments against Celtic. Five-one uh, game, four-one game. The cross for Mark Keatley to win the win the title on the last day. Uh, well, that, I just that was going to be my moment, Scott. I remember yeah. that extremely well. And people don't really remember just how stretched Rangers were for that game. Yeah, they had injuries galore. Soonest had left. Smith That's had right. come in, I think, for the last four games of the season. They'd got. Pumped 3-0 by Motherwell at Fur Park. That's right. I think the week before, which left them having to get a result yeah. uh, against Aberdeen. Now, they, a result actually would have been good enough. They needed to win. A, a draw right. would have seen Aberdeen win the title. And like I say, the injuries were, were horrific. I think I don't think Goff was playing. Um, John Brown was uh, crippled. Alan right. McCoyce wasn't playing. Uh, he came on, I think, for the last half an hour, even though he hadn't played in months. Yep. Um, was completely blown out his backside by the end of the game. I remember the video footage at the end of the game. McCoyce is just absolutely dead. Can't even Shattered. celebrate. He's yep. too tired. Um, but it really was a, a, a makeshift Rangers side, and they really relied on those two players, Mark Walters and Mark Hately, to come to the fore and right. drag them across the line against what was a really terrific Aberdeen team. And people, again, they forget just how good that Aberdeen team was. Hans yep. Hillhouse was in that team, who was a Dutch international. Snelder's the keeper. Alex McLeish, um, Jim Bett. They had yep. real top-class players on yep. that side. And and they should have won that day, to be honest. On paper, they should have won. But yep. Walters brings the ball down, shuffles to his left, gets himself a yard of space. And the cross that he puts in for Hately. Now, the header is... Absolutely yeah. sensational. Yeah. But the cross, Scott, is just brilliant because that is an almost impossible place. If you know football, to put a good ball in the box from that far out, yeah, it's really, really difficult. And he puts in a lovely lofty curling ball on Hately, of course, bullets it past Michael Watt and one of the most iconic moments, I think, in Rangers' recent history. Yeah. But the, the header is phenomenal, as you say. I mean, let, let's know in away from Mark Haley. I mean, the cross, the cross was brilliant, but you need somebody to go and attack it. And Haley up against Alec McLeish to get the, you no, know, to get the purchase on the header and the placement on the header. I mean, it's up there with one of the best headed goals you'll see. I mean, I can't think of many, many better in terms of the power he gets and the the placement in the top corner. But you're right, the, the cross, no, the cross made it in a game like that. Well, the tension was so high. No, Rangers needed a big, a big moment. And you watch the kind of extended highlights again of that game. No, there weren't a lot of big moments because there was so much at stake, and it was cagey. And no, as you say, Rangers are toiling for, uh, for bodies. They needed a big moment, and 
no, Walters produced that, obviously Hately with the with the header. Um, and Walters and Hately actually had a, had a brilliant relationship um, on the pitch when you think back to those times. No, Mark Hately, I think, well, would admit himself, no, he gets so many goals off uh, Mark Walters' assists. Um, and the Aberdeen game sh- showed that because Walters knows exactly what Hately wants, what he requires, where he wants the ball. And he produced that cross for a really tight, uh, a tight space. And you're right, that was one of his, that was one of his big moments. But there were, there were several, and well, Mark Walters was a real, a real fan's favourite at the at the time. And that's why he's always, um, he always seems to be kind of welcomed back at Ibrox whenever he, whenever he does go. But I think people remember him really fondly as being, you know, a crucial part of that team. Somebody that gave them a spark. Somebody that gave them something different. Um, and a guy like a lot of English players that signed around that time, a guy that really took to Scottish football, took Rangers to their to their hearts. Um, and I mean, he got a big move to he got a big move to Liverpool off the back of his forum at Rangers. Um, so listen, he was when you look back at his uh, his time at Ibrox, he, he had a he had a terrific period there. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, I moved to Liverpool at that time. Liverpool were essentially one of the biggest clubs in Europe. I know they are again now, but this was on the back of Liverpool's incredible domination of Europe and England uh, before Alex Ferguson's Manchester United took over. Uh, Right, okay, we're going to call it a day there. Hope you enjoyed that little walk down memory lane. If you've got any suggestions for players you'd like us to talk about, get in touch on Twitter. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane. Scott's at Scott McDermott 8. If you'd like to give us a review on iTunes, that would be much appreciated as that allows us to get the podcast to as many listeners as possible. Uh, In the meantime, hope you're all well. Hope you're all keeping safe in this coronavirus pandemic, staying inside, even though things seem to be abating. And hopefully we can get some slightly improved sound quality to you in the weeks ahead when we get back together again. Fingers crossed. Until next time, thanks for listening. (laughs) 